Hey, Vern, it's Ernest. Oh, I'm only kidding. It's actually me, Ray Hebel. And I'll save you from listening to me try to do an Ernest voice for the entire intro. But what I won't save you from is knowledge about Ernest P. Worrell, America's favorite buffoon spokesman. A character created by a trained Shakespearean actor, but beloved by all. We cover the sensation that was Ernest P. Worrell this week on This Was a Thing. Know what I mean, Vern? Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. This week, we're talking about Ernest P. Worrell. Ooh. Now, this you know was, what I mean, Vern? <laughs> now, this, he, they were a thing because everyone knows that one person who thinks that they're the smartest person in the room. Everyone knows that person who's scheming for something bigger. Everyone knows that human who, despite their annoying persistence, you just can't help but like them. Stop looking at me during that. Well, Ernest Worrell was that person, too. Okay. Two. Hey, Vern, where's that wife of yours with that pizza pie? You know, I bet she's having trouble with that old hunk of junk you drive. Should have talked to your buddy Ernest first, know what I mean? Then you'd have you a classy new car from Stinger's Ford. Where is that woman with that pizza pie? Now, that was one of literally thousands of commercials that featured the hero of today's episode, always with his signature, Know what I mean? And his outfit. Talk about that outfit. Don't worry. I, I'll get there. Now, when it comes down to it, Ernest was slapstick comedy personified. Slapstick comedy is exaggerated comedy, essentially. Stuff that goes outside the normal humor. A lot of times, some kind of energy is involved. Some energy? <laughs> a lot of times, some kind of injury. Hey, Mo! Help me align my Reiki! Yeah. <laughs> a lot of popular slapstick happened in the early days of film, which is an extension of vaudeville. Uh, the Marx Brothers, Three Stooges, examples of slapstick royalty. Now, I love slapstick comedy. It's something I grew up loving and still love to this day, but it only works, in my opinion, when it's fully committed to it. There's an even an air of pretension to it. It just doesn't work. Or safety. Yeah, exactly. Or safety. Now, Jim Varney... As Ernest P. Worrell committed to slapstick, he was a true professional. So Jim Varney is the actor. Actor, exactly. And he has created a character. Named Ernest P. Worrell. Gotcha. And I will get into that. Jim Varney was born in June 15th, 1949 in Lexington, Kentucky. Early on in childhood, he was able to memorize long poems and large chunks of material from the books in his school. And he would entertain family and friends with his talent. And his mother would notice that he would imitate the cartoon characters that he would be watching, which prompted her to put him into children's theater when he was only eight years old, which 
That's a good mom. Yes, I love that. As he got older, his teachers disagreed with his love of theater and performing. So two weeks before his graduation, he dropped out of high school. He took $65 that he had in his pocket and took that in his pocket and moved to New York City to pursue a career in theater. Yes, Jim Varney. He would return in the fall and earn his diploma too then. So he ended up getting his diploma, but he decided to go off. Uh, He did some off-Broadway plays, but they didn't pan out as far as major success. He studied Shakespeare at the Barter Theater and Abingdon, Virginia, which led to his lifelong love of the Bard. And the Barter Theater is actually a, I was looking it up and it's a pretty prestigious theater and it's been around for a long time. So You're telling me that Ernest P. Worrell is a Shakespeare he's Shakes- connoisseur? He's a Shakespearean actor. I, oh my gosh, I have a clip later. Uh, he made his way to Hollywood and had some minor TV success in the late 70s. He appeared on shows like Johnny Cash and Friends, which was Johnny Cash's variety and show. And his drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jim Varney was also in Fernwood Tonight, which was a fake yes. talk show with Martin Mull, which got and Fred Willard and Fred Willard exactly. Which I it, that is on my list of things that I need to watch because it just seems like such a oh ahead it's of bizarre its time, as fuck and it's yeah, so ahead good of time type show. But he also got cast in a show that's considered to be one of the biggest flops in television history as well. My mother, the car. No, turn on. Pink Lady and Jeff. He was on Pink Lady and Jeff? He was. He was a Do you want to tell people member. what Pink Lady and Jeff was, or shall I? Well, let me just say, if you haven't, <laughs> if you don't know what it is, go look it up on YouTube. Rob, kind of give them a little... Well, I kind of feel like people should look, but the idea was uh, there was a group named Pink Lady, Ugh. and they did not speak English. They were from Japan, Japan, I believe. Japan. And they gave them their own television show with a stand-up comedian named Jeff. So it's called Pink Lady and Jeff. And they learned all their dialogue phonetically. Yeah. He did also did a bit of stand-up. He did character comedy, which I'm, you know, was bigger in the 70s than it is now, I'd say. A lot of the bits of in characters would wind up showing up in some of his later work. What is what is character comedy though? Like he would come up on stage as the character? Yeah, he would well, he would come up and be well, I'm gonna play a clip right now, oh, okay. but it's essentially kind of like, well, you know, I I knew this guy. Oh. Yeah, before I left Kentucky. I went looking for a man I'd heard about. He was an Appalachian mountain guru. They really have him. He lives on the tallest mountain in Kentucky, and I climbed to the top of that mountain. took me all day. His name is Lloyd Rowe. I said, Mr. Rowe, what is the secret of life? And he said, it's meanness. <laughs> in a dog-eat-dog world. Eat the other dog, that's what I say. When the old ship starts to sink, just be the first rat in the lifeboat. So like impressions, but like kind of you know doing yeah. doing a character to get the comedy out as opposed to just, you know, like, oh man. During one of his times away from Hollywood, Varney was cast as an aggressive military instructor named Sergeant Glory. Uh, Sergeant Glory was going to appear in an ad for a car dealership in Nashville, Tennessee, and the man directing the commercial was named John Cherry. This meeting would prove to be a lasting friendship. In 1980, John Cherry contacted Jim about appearing in another commercial. This time, it would be a different character. That character would be Ernest P. Worrell. The commercial was advertising that the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders would be a appearing at Beach Bend Park, which was an amusement park near Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Ernest was a bigger hit than the cheerleaders, which led to the franchising of a character to markets all over the country. So it was essentially... Hey, you want this character to advertise your brand? Well, we'd be happy to. Wow, that's smart. Yeah. So the character was fast-talking, smartest guy in the room type, a charming fool, always outfitted, like you were saying, in his signature tan hat and denim vest. Varney's gangly figure and southern charm helped make Ernest seem like someone you actually knew and someone you may want to try to avoid at family gatherings at all 
costs. Funny. One of the things that made Ernest so popular was that he was always talking to his neighbor, Vern, and always much to Vern's annoyance. Ernest always had a way of catching Vern at the worst possible time. And the audience never saw Vern, but er since Ernest spoke straight to the camera, the audience assumed the role. We were Vern. And Ernest had a catchphrase that only helped his popularity grow. What was it, Rob? Know what I mean, Vern? Know what I mean, Vern. Know what I mean. Hey, Vern. Working on the old Tom Tom, eh? Should talk to Ernest first. Know what I mean? You know what you need, Vernon? Some pine state sweet acidophilus milk. Sweet acidophilus will help you digest some that junk food is a fine dough. And besides that, it's low fat. We're talking minute caloric intake, Vernon. Pine state sweet acidophilus milk is as good for your insides as it is for your outsides. Vern? You okay, Vern? Now, brands wanted Ernest, and Varney and Cherry certainly gave them what they wanted. Ernest would become a pitchman for everything from milk to car dealerships, pizza chains to grocery stores. Ernest sold it all, and Vern was always there, too, taking everything that Ernest gave him. The commercials were all regional, so Tyson's Toyota commercials were different than Cerritos Auto Square commercials. Hey, Vern, your old buddy Ernest has just been immortalized. Ernest deal days at Cerritos Auto Square. Them boys are bulging with new inventories, so you call the shots. If you think the price is too high, make them an Ernest offer. They'll be putty in your hands. Now's the time to get an Ernest deal and save some serious money at Cerritos Auto Square. You know, Vern, it's hard to be upwardly mobile. Especially when your car won't start. 605 Freeway at South Street. A Toyota dealership in Fairfax, Virginia, actually saw a 50% uptick in sales when Ernest started being their spokesperson. So he did ads for Mellow Yellow and for even a natural gas company. He made sure North Carolina residents wore their seatbelts by telling them to click it or ticket. He, Ernest, was a click ah! it or ticket back in the day. He even did ads for local TV stations, letting you know what was coming up. The Price is Right with Tom Kennedy, or even a sitcom based around a World War II German POW camp. Hey, Vern, look what I found in my daddy's closet. You know, I bet you this is from the big one. You know, WW2. Boy, I bet them were some great times. I know, because I never miss Hogan's heroes on WDBJ7. You know, with Schultz and Hogan and Commandant Clink. Hogan's heroes, weekdays on your hometown station. You know, Vern, this must be some kind of a cigarette lighter. I know nothing. I see nothing. Different times. Different Different times, times folks. Uh, he even tried to sell Vern on Vernon savings and loans i'm sure that savings and loans were like oh my god <laughs> at first there were some complaints because viewers weren't used to the wide angle in your face abrasive style children were getting frightened but once they got used to it they loved it and Ernest was everywhere i never even thought of that so folks if you've not seen one of the commercials the camera is handheld mm -hmm. yep. and it's unsteady yeah, it's yeah, it's, like, oh, it's almost like wide angle yeah, fisheye almost. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's right there. So it's almost it's it it almost kind of gives me the feel uh, like what it looks like is when you were to look through your front door. Yeah, you know, like, and like the, the, peephole. the peephole, and like you know, you see someone like looking in there. Like it's almost like that intrusive feeling is yes. what the earnest commercials yes. give you. And kids were scared. Yeah, well, yeah, because they weren't used to something like that. But then they realized they got used to the character, and he just became 
a sensation. They filmed up to 26 commercials in a day. Shit. And usually at the Nashville area home of John Cherry. So they just did everything at the guy's house. Oh, that's kind of incredible. Uh, he was a spokesman for multiple dairies. So he would defen- uh, essentially film the same commercial over and over, but just swap out the different names. So he did like Pine Lake and then he did Purity Dairy. And so it was just he would do the same exact commercial, grab that thing and, and you know, just swap it out. Boom, 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 wow. boom. Since he had that photographic memory, they said that it just made the process easy. This is a clip from CBS Evening News that they did on the Ernest Phenomenon in 1985. Cool. Jim Barney plays the rubber face. He films about 50 commercials a month. No one will provide money figures, but the Ernest campaign is a gold mine. It just kept snowballing and snowballing, and now we've sort of, you know, conquered the hemisphere. (laughs) I lose it sometimes. John Cherry created the Ernest character. He says that in some areas, Ernest is a superstar. He's a cult figure for middle America. Thanks, mate. You know, I might be on the bottom of the heap, but I'm above that guy. (laughs) Wherever Ernest goes, like this Christmas parade, people go crazy. Going back to like talking about the slapstick, a lot of the commercials, like I said, they re- reused bits and stuff, but it was him approaching Vern Vern's on this roof and Ernest goes on the ladder and he's talking about milk or he goes, yeah. uh, Vern is sitting at his breakfast nook and he comes through the window and they slam the window on his fingers. An issue that they had was that since they had so many different regional commercials, the contracts made it impossible to do any national spots. They had to turn down Chevrolet because of agreements they had with smaller competing dealerships. In total, Ernest is said to have done around 6,000 different commercials. Now, like I said, wow. they like, you know, obviously swapping out product and but stuff, still. but those are each a different commercial, you know, 6,000. Yes. It's, I mean, it's insane. Varney was able to buy a 10 acre ranch in Kentucky, but he always felt that if he were to have been able to have that national ad, he and Cherry would have been extremely wealthy, but he still always had a great attitude about it and he appreciated what it was. Now in 1983, Varney and Cherry released a straight to videotape of a series of sketches called Know what I mean? Hey, Vern, it's my family album. It featured Ernest and a bunch of other characters Varney did in his stand-up act. So like I said, so like it was him. And if you've seen the Ernest movies, you know how he goes into different characters and stuff. So this was essentially the precursor to that. And that started with his stand-up. This is a clip of Ernest finding an old set of cans connected by string in the attic. You know, those old... Yes, like the old telephone. The old telephone, exactly. This is just kind of give you an idea of how brilliant Varney was with his random characters. This all comes from Ernest finding the cans and string. I had some fun with these suckers. Roger, Wilco, I'm hit bad. Can you bring me in? Yes, we can bring you in, Roger, Wilco, on number 12. I see him, sir. I see him. He's approaching 12 right now. We got him on radar, sir. I can hear him. He's coming in clean. He's still got an engine. I just want to tell you, men, you've done a great service to Britain. We can't have Jerry hopping around among the hedgerows. No, we won't have it. Not if it takes every drop of British blood. Ah! Edna! Help! Edna! Even as an adult, just watching as someone that loves doing like character work and stuff, it's like he just is so fully committed and can switch 
like that. He's a genius. A genius. Really, a genius. Happy New Year, Ray. Happy New Year, Rob. Any resolutions? Yeah. To be more generous. You? Same. I wonder if any of our listeners wish to be more generous, too. Well, listeners, if generosity is on your resolution list, head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And search for This Was a Thing and set a monthly donation. Even a dollar helps us. Your contributions help us continue doing what we're doing. And if your resolution is to get rid of all your fatty foods and start a healthy diet, please mail me all fatty foods courtesy of the UPS store on Amsterdam Avenue. Stop that. Mm. May this year bring you happiness, health, and Howard the Duck. Miss Cleo foresees a wonderful year ahead. The cards don't lie. Now, there would be two more videos released that were compilations of previous Ernest commercials with some random sketches and stuff. And just from doing commercials and home videos, Ernest had a fan club of 20,000 people. Shit. This is just from commercials and home videos. So, you know, nothing. That, that was it at that point. With all these fans, Varney and Cherry decided that it was time to bring Ernest to the big screen. Now, initially, they made a low-budget movie in 1985 called Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. But that was really only an appetizer. Shortly after this random film, Varney and Cherry signed a four-year deal with Disney's Touchstone Pictures. Little Ernest would be getting a big budget. Now, Ernest's first Touchstone film was Ernest Goes to Camp. With a budget of $3.5 million, the film made $23.5 million, so it made, you know, $20 million on it, making it a hit, and it has a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't too bad for a character-driven kids' comedy, if you ask me. So it was aimed for kids. Oh Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they kind of, kid-friendly, you know kid what I mean? Friendly. Yeah, exactly. Like, they wanted to make sure it was, like, PG, you know so what I mean? So it's his character, mm-hmm. Ernest. And what does he do at the camp? He uh, goes, he, well, he, the whole point of this one is he want, he plays a maintenance worker and oh. he wants to he really wants to be a camp counselor. So that's oh, like the that's kind of sweet. through line. Ernest Goes to Camp came out in 1987 and it was also the first time that character actor Gaylord Sartain was paired with Varney. Another good old southern boy, Sartain usually played some kind of friend to Ernest. Uh, in this clip, he plays the chef at camp Kikaki. Big guy. Yeah, exactly. He tries to get Ernest to try some suspicious looking eggs. Ernest... I want you to cut yourself a big knock out of these eggs erroneous. No, I, I can't eat on an empty stomach. Well, of course you can. Eddie doesn't look at that rosy glow to his teeth. So next up on Ernest's busy slate was a kid's television show called Hey Vern, It's Ernest. Now, each episode had a theme would feature sketches based on the theme of the week, and it was canceled after only one season, but Varney actually won an Emmy for it. What? Yeah, and a letter-writing campaign was started to save the show, and up to 30,000 letters were sent in, but it was already too late. But 30,000 letters. like To so, save Ernest. To save Ernest, exactly. And it was a cartoon? Or it, it, no, it was a live action. Live so action. It, it was, it's almost in the vein of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse, but with, oh. Vernon, with Ernest, oh, you know fine. what I mean? So instead of like word of the day, it was the theme of the week and stuff. Love it. Gaylord Sartain was a cast member on the show as well, but it also introduced to another person in the world of Ernest, actor Bill Burge, who would play the always silent character of Bobby. <gasps> I love him. Yeah, Bobby was the sidekick of his brother who was played by Sartain, character now named Chuck. Chuck and Bobby were created by John Cherry's advertising company who to also appear in commercials. The little old man. Yeah, so there's a bunch of commercials with Chuck and Bobby that were ad- that. so 
John Cherry's ad company just figured out how to franchise character. I mean, it's a brilliant. I don't, I don't know if it could work today with how contracts and stuff work, but I mean, back in the day, you could franchise restaurants and stuff. Like you have a great character that identifies yeah. with people. Boom. I mean, just it's br- brilliant. Now, Ernest then appeared in the holiday classic, Ernest Saves Christmas. <sighs> Tell me everything. Now, in the film, Ernest helps Santa Claus find his new replacement, who's a man on local children's television, Chuck and Bobby place storage agents at an Orlando airport who get suspicious when they hear what they think are reindeers in boxes at the airport. It budgeted at $6.5 million. It made $28.2 million, giving Ernest another hit. Film opened at number two behind another holiday classic. Can you guess that movie? Christmas Vacation. Nope. Child's Play. Uh, 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ernest helped ring in the New Year's in Times Square in 1988 as a correspondent for CBS's Happy New Year, America. He swapped out his signature denim vest for a fancy tuxedo. He also kept getting referred to as Jim. But that didn't deter him. It was Ernest that appeared. Hey, Vern, you ought to see this place. Vern, Times Square. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it back home in Kentucky. And I'm here for CBS, and I've got one million of my best friends crowding in here to celebrate with me. New Year's Eve, Vern. We're getting set to have a time. I'm so excited, Vern. I dress formal. Check it out. My black silk baseball hat. Have you ever seen old Ernest? Look at So good. I've got to, Vern. Now, under contract with Disney, Ernest's next event was to help introduce Splash Mountain. Oh, that's cool. At Disneyland for a Disney Channel special. It originally aired on July 7th, 1989, and had further showings in syndication. How was it, Ernest? Uh, uh, Ernest, you appear somewhat shaken. How do you feel? Uh, Ernest, would you recommend Splash Mountain to the guests who come to Disneyland? Yeah, it was great. I'd recommend Splash Mountain to anyone. Things like Splash Mountain keep you young. That and blood transfusions and organ transplants and cosmetic surgery. I feel great. So there you have it from here. Ernest has conquered Splash Mountain. In that clip, it's Ernest coming back from going down the big drop on Splash Mountain, and he is laying flat in the flume, holding on to dear life. And when he gets out, he has poles in his hand as if he's ripped them off the side of the flume. Now, the third Ernest film was Ernest Goes to Jail. It was released April 6, 1990. Ernest plays a night custodian in a bank. Yes, the bank robbery. Yep, gets swapped out with an escaped prisoner that looks just like him, also played by Jim Varney. Hijinks ensue. Chuck and Bobby are guards at the bank Ernest works at. This is the one where one of the bits is he somehow becomes magnetic. And so he's in the bank and everything that's magnetic starts going on to him. Like Amazing. the desks Amazing. start attaching him. I don't know. It yeah, made me laugh when I was getting budget of nine million, brought in twenty five million altogether with six million on opening weekend, which I think back then was pretty good. But this is where critics started to sour on Ernest. Why? Uh, well, I think they just started getting a little bad taste. This was an eleven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. What? But what do critics know? Now, the last of Ernest's four-picture deal was 1991's Ernest Scared Stupid. I saw this one in theaters. Is this a Halloween one? Yes. Uh, Speaking of critics, why don't I just have Mr. Roger Ebert give you a little preamble of the movie. Our next movie is Ernest Scared Stupid. And although there have been three earlier Ernest movies, and I try to see most everything, somehow those other three managed to escape me. And so this is my first exposure to the friendly local garbage man played by Jim Varney. 
The experience of seeing my first Ernest movie did not fill me with an urgent need to rent the other three videos and catch up on Ernest. As the movie begins, Ernest is impressed. Wait, did they like it? <laughs> like I said, I fondly remember seeing this movie in theaters. I was four, so it had to have been one of my first movies that I saw on the big screen as well. It holds a special place in my heart, and I still watch it from time to time around Halloween. I have the DVD of it. Never invited me. It scares me stupid. Sure, I could give you what the plot is, but I want you to hear how annoyed Roger Ebert is that he has to give you the plot. Take it away, Rog. The movie co-stars Eartha Kitt, of all people, as the local prophetess. 200 years ago, the area was beset by dangerous trolls, monsters that were finally subdued by being buried and having a giant tree planted on top of them. That's what they should have done with this movie. Now they're back, and Kitt knows who has to get rid of them. You are the only troll fighter we've got. You're the seventh son of the seventh son. You're the baby. You're the boy. You are the great redneck hope. I, I've seen the other ones. Oh, yeah? I, I don't like him, uh, basically, in, in this character. Yeah. I don't think it's funny when he gets close up into the camera and mugs mm -hmm. that that's funny. Uh, in addition to that, I think what's the, the, I like this picture the least of them all is that it takes about 25 minutes to get rolling before they set the mm -hmm. troll stuff in action. And the first 25 minutes of that is really boring if you're eight or one or 45. Now, this film had the highest budget of any Ernest movie to date at $9.6 million, but it only took back $14.1. That's, well, that's a big dip yeah, that's not from a, their usual Yeah, it's not a good one. Touchstone would not offer Ernest another contract. Ernest would get one more theatrical release in 1993. Ernest rides again. Ernest discovers an old cannon that may contain the crown jewels. Now, the year 1994 brought the first of Ernest direct-to-video films, not just like the earlier ones, Ernest goes to school. Now, Ernest looks to finally get his high school diploma. This is the only Ernest film that John Cherry didn't direct. Longtime producer Coke Sams took the reins on this one. Ernest was paired with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lakers legend, in 1995 for Slam Dunk Ernest. Yes. Kareem plays an angel that gives Ernest magic sneakers that make him a basketball star. I'm in. Now, we got... Ernest goes to Africa in 1997. Now, oh, I never boy. saw this one, but from watching some clips on YouTube, it's probably better that I missed it. There are some stereotypes that are not great in this one. It was filmed entirely on location in South Africa. Plot, Ernest comes into the possession of valuable jewels. That's a good through line for a couple movies. Gets kidnapped and taken to Africa. There, he must help rescue the women, woman he loves. That woman was played by Linda Cash, and you may recognize her from some of Christopher Guest's films. She was Eugene Levy's wife in Waiting for Guffman. Oh, yes, yeah. I loved her. And then the final Ernest film released was Ernest in the Army, released in 1998. And Rob, can you guess what that one was about? Ernest joins the Navy. No, Ernest wants to drive large vehicles, so he joins the Army, and then they send him into combat. None of the straight-to-video films did well with the critics. Surprise, surprise. But they always maintained their tongue-in-cheek feeling, and the heart was still there, even if the scripts were not good. Ernest continued to appear in commercials in the 90s, just as uh, not as many due to the film work. So, But he still was finding time to do some Cerritos Auto Square and stuff, and still being able to bring in those checks and stuff. So he was always busy, it seems. Sadly, on February 10th, 2000, Jim Varney passed at the age of 50 from lung cancer. Oh, shit. Varney was a lifelong heavy smoker who quit cold turkey when he was diagnosed. And ironically, 
Ernest filmed an anti-smoking PSA in the 80s where it was Vern was smoking and it was him going, come on, Vern. Oh, Jim. He was married twice and divorced twice. He never had any children, but he was surrounded by family when he passed it at home. Now, Jim Varney was obviously best known as Ernest, but that didn't stop him from getting other work. He was seen in a good amount of other smaller roles. His largest non-Ernest role was that of Jed Clampett in the Beverly Hillbillies. The movie. Yep. Varney also provided the voice of Slinky Dog in the first two Toy Story films. He did a couple episodes on Roseanne. He was Laurie Metcalf's yeah, boyfriend. He played a prince, and he's brilliant in that. Now, Varney, like I said, wished that he could have been more successful, but is happy with the work he had with the beloved Ernest character. He knew how much Ernest was loved and he he knew how much people loved him and he I think he fed off of that this is Varney talking about the character on an episode of NBC Nightly News from 1985 in this clip you hear Varney performing Shakespeare which was like I said his true passion and it's I don't know it's it's really cool he's harmless really if there's any harm done it's to himself and that's he hasn't harmed Jim Varney has he? no no not in the least oh God was she would hang on him as if increase of appetite had grown by what it fed on. Know what I mean, Vern? After the break, we'll discuss if the Ernest character could be taken seriously today, and by seriously, I mean, here's the break. This was a thing, this was a thing, And now, this is a sketch. This summer, There's a new terror who knocks at the door. Grace, lock the door. What is it, Vernon? Worrell, he's heading over this way again. Not Ernest. If he calls me Vern one more time, look, we're not home. Ernest P. Worrell is back, and he's going to change your taste. I'm not interested in an icy cold Sprite. He knows of my brand loyalty to 7-Up. The car is in the driveway, and he knows you'd never take the bus, not after the last time. How many times does the man have to tell me about great-tasting acidophilus milk? He knows what milk does to you. Ernest has an intolerance for lactose intolerance. That man is a nuisance to society. That's what he is, Grace. I was working on the roof. The roof! And he asks me if I want buttermilk for my fluffy pancakes. Maybe if you just let him help you one time, maybe all this can stop. I don't need help. Or a new cable provider. Now please, for the love of God in heaven, go lock the door. Shit, he saw me. Oh God, he's going to tell me about the number one Toyota dealer in Northern California again. We don't live in Northern California, Grace. For the love of God, Vernon, just let the man talk to you. I just can't do it. I I can't. I can't. He'll just tell me all about his new high-efficiency gas furnace. Well, you're snooping out the blinds like you're advertising yourself. Of course he's going to see you. Oh no. The kitchen window. We didn't latch the kitchen window. Ernest knows all the ways into your house kitchen window is latched. Let's get to the basement. Quick, open the basement door. Hey, Vern! No! Ernest lives. This summer, only on VHS. Dust off those VCRs, folks. Thank you. This was a sketch. So in 2005, John Cherry's production company started using a computer-animated version of Ernest in random commercials across the country, and they 
obviously didn't have the same effect of the original Ernest, but it was the same. You know, it was like remember two thousand five, what TV commercial animation looked like. It was yes. Ernest that yes. you know, okay. and someone doing you know for car commercials and stuff. In two thousand twelve, it was announced that a spinoff was in the works, Son of Ernest. Nothing has come of that project since the original announcement. Now, slapstick sadly isn't as well received today i feel a a lot of times when you see it done on shows for for children like i said when overacting and large movement i feel like if you didn't grow up with like a marx brothers or three stooges Stooges or you know like i say abbott and costello laura lauren hardy like you know like they all kind of did like the dumb in your face broad but especially three stooges marx brothers you know you kind of see it and go well that's kind of weird you know i feel like that's kind of what People, I don't know. I feel like it's, it wouldn't be judged, but what do I know? Now, parody films that were released in like the aughts. Remember those? Like there was like Epic Movie and yes, stuff scary trying. Movie. Yeah, well, Scary Movie and Scary Movie Two. I feel like were actually pretty good. Oh, but yes. After that, like everyone was just trying to capitalize off the success of those and just trying to see what they could do and try to be the new Mel Brooks or whatever. And you know, there were slapstick in them, but like I said, there was all. They felt like those movies had like some kind of pretension to them. Like like they. They were in on the joke as mm. opposed to like letting the joke happen. Sure. You know, like giving like a winking. Uh, it just, it, to me, it didn't work. Seems like when there's an air of I'm too cool to really look dumb, you know, like that just doesn't, I don't know. Like it, yep. it doesn't seem that they were in the moment of the comedy to make it successful at least in my opinion jim varney as Ernest committed he committed even when the movies went way downhill at the end the man never stopped committing and to me even the bad jokes i can still smile at because there is purity to it i guess not the stuff in Ernest goes to africa that's not great but besides that most everything else uh, i don't think there'll ever be anything like i said the three stooges marx brothers abbott and costello laurel and hardy again and there doesn't need to be necessarily but in the sense of pure slapstick silliness i think that Ernest was our generation's goofball someone that we could identify like that are almost our three stooges didn't have the same effect but like someone that we could say oh we grew up with that where our parents could say they grew up like watching three sure. stooges and because the joy that it brought me i will always love the man would you put him on the same level as the three stooges i mean here's the thing he was a he was a better actor than any of those men. I'll go back. Would you put him on a level of somebody like Jerry Lewis? He never reached the popularity of Jerry Lewis. But talent. But in talent, absolutely. I think Jim Varney is one of the most talented, and people just see him as the dumb Ernest and stuff, but like you watch his characters, you watch how easy it is for him to go in between all that stuff. Now, he died really young. Yeah, he was uh, 50. 50. What do you think he would have done... Because he died in 2000. Mm-hmm. So what would he have been doing the past 22 years? He may have found a slump, but nowadays with how much people from the 80s and 90s, like character and actors are beloved and like they're getting celebrated now, I feel like he would have had a career renaissance. Mm. And I think with especially like streamers and like when there's more opportunity for like weird odd characters yeah. to show up and stuff, he would do that. It was a treat to revisit Ernest doing this episode because I I watched so much Ernest growing up in the same rotation as Three Stooges and Marx mm. Brothers were Ernest movies. Same. I mean, it, you know what I mean? So it's just, it was fun and I I would like to carry on and I hope Jim Varney's name is remembered and people continue to discover him because he really is brilliant and, you know, it's, 
if you look at it not like it's Hamlet, you know, and go into it going, I just want to laugh and enjoy myself, then it, you will laugh and enjoy yourself. But sometimes that laughter can be just as brilliant as all the emotions you feel watching Hamlet. Exactly. For successful comedy, you have to commit. You have to commit. You have to commit. If you don't commit, it just doesn't work most of the time. Sure, something can happen, but he, I just love how much the man committed. And I, I just really appreciate it. And it's almost like it make watching him again makes me want to be a better actor and like reach a new level because he was that good, in my opinion. I would love it if a man would be committed. Well, what can you? How how about you commit to this? How about a game? Okay. Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> this was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Were you an were you an Ernest fan, Mark? Did you like Ernest? I did like Ernest, but I had not seen. I, I think I saw my first Ernest movie a couple years ago. But I like really? the idea okay. of Ernest, which is a weird thing. I, I think of Ernest and I smile. I think I knew him from the the commercials. I always thought it'd be a really good Halloween character. Very simple. Oh yeah, yeah. Get the gray shirt, the vest, yes. and stuff. I never done it, but you got to pull some really good faces. But that Ernest Puaro man, he sure did get himself into a lot of wacky predicaments. He right? did. Do you know who else got himself into a lot of wacky predicaments? Who? Ernest Hemingway. Oh. So today, we're going to find out if Robin Ray can tell their Ernests apart in a little <laughs> game called The Importance of Being Earnest or Ernest. <laughs> okay. You're going to work together in this game because it's it's okay. going to be a little tricky. Okay. I'm going to give a clue about a life experience had by either Ernest Hemingway, Ernest P. Worrell, or both great men. Oh, shit. Okay. So you're going to work together to define whether this thing happened to Ernest P. Worrell, Ernest Hemingway, or if both of them had this happen. Okay. Here we go. Accused, but later cleared, of war crimes. <laughs> I want to say both of them. Uh, Yeah. Ernest went to the army, so I want to say yes. It was just Ernest Hemingway. Oh. It was just Ernest Hemingway, well, but he did go Ernest great. goes to the army was really missing out on <laughs> yeah. a, a C plot. Yeah, they could have gotten some plot lines yeah. from, from his life. Acted as a government spy. Uh, I think that was Ernest Hemingway. I think that was Ernest P. Well. It was Ernest Hemingway. Oh. Ernest Hemingway was a spy. Uh, ran a camp for delinquent children. Oh, Ernest, yeah. Ernest P. Worrell. Yeah. Ernest P. First film, baby. Uh, worked as a cab driver. Uh, Ernest, yeah. Ernest was a cab driver and Ernest Saves Christmas. That's true. That was Ernest P. Picks Worrell. Picks up Pamela from the airport. Oh, we got an Ernest. Uh, Why? You know you're Ernest. Spent time in the army. Uh, Ernest. Well, both, both actually. Both yeah, I guess That was both, both yeah. of them. Both of them spent time in the army. Survived a plane crash, but was reported dead. Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. That was Ernest Hemingway is correct. Uh, since the 1980s, he has had a yearly lookalike contest in his honor, held at a bar in Florida. Uh, it's Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. That is Ernest Hemingway. Uh, was once electrocuted. Ernest. Both of them. Numerous times. Well, I guess both, yeah. <laughs> but now it's just Ernest P. Worrell, to oh. our knowledge, unless it went I keep unreported. just saying Ernest. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the importance of being Ernest or Ernest, right? Yeah. Come on. Uh, number nine, owned a box turtle named Pokey. Oh, I'm going to say Ernest Hemingway. I'm going to say Ernest P. Worrell. Was Ernest P. Are you saying Worrell? Yeah. Ernest P. Worrell. No, he introduces, he introduces himself as Ernest P. Worrell. Get out of town. What? Yeah, if you yeah. listen to Ernest it. P. Worrell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I take it all back. Let's start over. And finally, number 10 is a published author. <laughs> I'm going to say both. Ernest P. Worrell has released two books. What? what? <laughs> there are two books penned by Ernest P. Worrell. They are both published authors yeah that is correct yep. yeah wow. pretty darn good knowing your earnest apart here you try yeah we try earnest, earnest knowledge men now rob throw us an Ernest borgnine uh fact he was married to ethel merman 
for eight days. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And in his autobiography, or hers, no, it's her autobiography, there's a chapter called My Marriage to Ernest Borgnine, and it's a blank page. <gasps> you hear this the secret to old age is masturbating? Good for you, Ernest Borgnine. That was him in like his 90s. Yeah. And then he whispered, he doesn't realize everybody's got mics. So somebody whispers like, what's the secret to you? He's like, I can't say it on air. And he's like, well, whisper it. And he doesn't realize he's been lav mic up. <laughs> so he just leans in. Goes, you jerk off the pictures of Ethel Merman. <laughs> I thought it was going to work. In that Annie Oakley costume. Arr. Now, if you're looking for uh, seeing a picture of Robin in an Annie Oakley costume, go ahead to uh, our Instagram. This was a thing pod. Our website, www.thiswasathing.com or patreon.com slash this was a thing. Old Lucy level $5 gets you exclusive content. I mean, it's good stuff. I mean, it is really good stuff. Ray, put your pants back on. Oh, boy. It's just, it's so good. Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Vernon? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. I think we can trim it down. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 